welcome back everybody to the Luke Beasley show. It is so great to be with you on this Tuesday. I hope you're doing absolutely spectacular as we dive into something, if I'm going to be honest, not so spectacular. Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has formally announced that he will be launching or directing a House committee to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Luke, I thought you said they haven't been able to uncover the impeachable offenses when it comes to these bribery accusations against Joe Biden. Some pretty big allegations they make, unable to substantiate them. Still the case, but Kevin McCarthy is proceeding anyways. And again, to specify further as to what they're saying the justification is, is we are going to be able to prove that Joe Biden was bribed and was changing his policies as vice president to benefit his son's uh, business dealings overseas, being, of course, Hunter Biden. All these different things I've gone through so extensively as they've been trotted out, uh, the specifics of them, walked through the different hearings that went on from the GOP and why they are incapable of proving these things. And so then you're left wondering, why is he doing this then? It's just a political stunt, clearly. Why is he uh, making this happen? And we'll get to that after looking at a few different things. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe that they haven't been able to uncover evidence that would justify impeaching Joe Biden, evidence of Joe Biden's wrongdoing and impeachable offenses on the part of Joe Biden, then I'll show you later in this segment a Republican congressman saying the exact same thing. Before that, here's the big announcement from Kevin McCarthy. That's why today I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Mm. So serious, so solemn. So if they don't have the evidence to justify this, they're saying the inquiries where we'll get the evidence that would justify impeaching him, even though some within the party are saying, no, we've already proved Joe Biden's a criminal. Not the case, um, obviously. But even the idea that the inquiries where you find the impeachable offense, but it, wouldn't you, you have investigatory powers in Congress. You're supposed to find the evidence that's damning and then proceed with anything in the impeachment world, not just use the inquiry as a chance to see, can we find something impeachment worthy? Very strange. So then why is Kevin McCarthy doing this? It could backfire on moderate Republicans in moderate districts because it seems like such a political attack on President Biden. It's because of the hardcore MAGA part of his party. It's because he has to keep Marjorie Greene happy. Lauren Boebert happy. And we'll get to later in today's show, Matt Gates is uh, starting a mutiny against Kevin McCarthy because he always wants Kevin McCarthy to go even further to the right. But as an example of the pressure McCarthy has been getting, here's Marjorie Green. We're just asking members of Congress, do you think we should inquire about impeachment? It's not saying, do you want to impeach? It's saying, right. should we just ask the question? And at this point right now, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with Republicans? Now, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene filed articles of impeachment the first full day of Biden's presidency, how he possibly could have been... <laughs> committed impeachable offenses as president of the United States when he had just become president of the United States by that point in time. I have no idea. But now she's saying this time is for real, though. Lauren Boebert said on Twitter, let's get this impeachment going. And like I said, we've gone over a bunch of similar statements from Matt Gates and others within the hardcore MAGA part of the Republican Party. So Kevin McCarthy's only goal is not to keep the Republican Party respected in any sense or to be moral or to have principles is just to keep his position of power. 
That's it. And so to do that, he has to keep the MAGA part of his party happy. And thus he's throwing this red meat to them and uh, is following the lead of Marjorie Green and others and doing something that just makes absolutely no sense for so many different reasons that we've been covering each day. Now, again, as I said, if you're thinking, gosh, this lib doesn't understand, the evidence is there. Well, then I'll show you Republicans who are voicing the very same concern that I am. Before doing that, here's a little bit of reporting. McCarthy gambles on Biden impeachment probe as shutdown looms. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy used a four-minute Tuesday statement to plunge the House GOP toward impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, but he won't know until Wednesday if he's uh, won over his toughest audience, his own members. And the article points out that Kevin McCarthy shifted, went from saying that he's going to get a vote and see if he can get a majority of the House to vote on even launching an impeachment inquiry. And now he's saying, no, I'm just going to go ahead and have a committee launch that process. Of course, the actual impeachment would necessitate a majority vote, but he shifted off of getting people on the record right now because he knows members within his own party, the moderate Republicans, are not understanding why this is happening. As the article notes, Don Bacon, uh, who represents a district that Joe Biden won in 2020, so a more moderate district, said he doesn't currently support an impeachment inquiry. And we also have been talking about Ken Buck, who's been saying this. Connecting the president. So I am uh, more focused on the issues that I think Americans care deeply about. Well, perhaps Congressman Marjorie Hiller Greene, who you have been pretty vocal in, in pushing back on, is getting your message. Because yesterday she posted, quote, this, quote, our country deserves for Congress to vote for an impeachment inquiry for very important reasons, not a rush impeachment vote. That is a bit of a shift in the timeline, a little bit of a pumping of the brakes on it. What did you make of that? Well, Marjorie filed impeachment uh, articles of impeachment on President Biden before he was sworn into office more than two and a half years ago. So the idea that, that she is now the expert on impeachment or that she is uh, someone who should set the timing on impeachment is absurd. Uh, the, the time for impeachment is the time when there's evidence linking President Biden, uh, if there's evidence linking President Biden to a high crime or misdemeanor. That doesn't exist right now, um, and it isn't really something that we can say, well, in February, we're going to do this. It, it is, it's based on the facts. You go where the facts take you. And there has been a, look, a search for that for some time, I think it's worth stating. But you also have been asked. Exactly. They've been investigating Biden, right, left, forward, backwards, every which way you could possibly imagine for months, if not years with this House Oversight Committee investigation and trying to prove these allegations that they're bringing against President Biden. And a Republican congressman who's so conservative, Ken Buck, is willing to say, we don't have the evidence of the necessary link to prove Joe Biden's wrongdoing in the scheme that's being alleged between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings. And as he says, or as he alluded to, and we may not ever find that. And so until we do, or if we never do, we should not be launching an impeachment inquiry and should focus on other things. And I will say, is it possible that eventually a high crime or misdemeanor could be found evidence of one on the part of Joe Biden? Of course it's possible, always possible. If that ever were to happen, does not justify lying about what they have right now. Does that make sense? 
And I also will say, if I had to put money on it, they won't be able to find a high crime or misdemeanor on the part of Joe Biden. Because if it was there, watching their investigation leads me to believe they would have found it by now. And especially watching the different lines that have been drawn that kind of put together a picture that doesn't make sense within the corrupt picture they want us to believe exists. Um, and just for fun, <laughs> Ken Buck also, as we've been talking about, has been making fun of Marjorie Green like this. So, so George, when, when I was uh, teaching uh, law school, um, I, I learned and, and taught certain constitutional principles. When Marjorie Taylor Green was teaching CrossFit, she learned a whole different set of values, evidently, because um, my idea of what this country should be like is based on the Constitution. And she sees the world differently. And she does see the world differently. She does not prioritize the Constitution. And so many within the MAGA part of the Republican Party seem to fit into that same characterization. But despite all of what we just talked about, an impeachment inquiry likely is going to be launched if the committee uh, follows Kevin McCarthy's lead. And to me, this is embarrassing for the Republican Party. Let's stick sort of on our conversation about the impeachment inquiry that Kevin McCarthy has announced he'll be pushing for and directing the House committees to start uh, getting that process going. Nancy Mace the Republican Congresswoman appeared on CNN to talk about this. And I'll show you a few moments from this. I just, we have to dispel with the notion that Nancy Mace is a moderate Republican. She's constantly depicted as that in the media and also is perceived that way by many. And I talked to recently a Trump supporter who said, even Nancy Mace, a moderate Republican, thinks that Joe Biden is corrupt in this way and that way. And I had to tell him, you do realize that her whole moderate facade is just that, a facade. It's not authentic. And she is saying things just as illogical and just as purely politically motivated, not based in fact as any other person you could cite who's been accusing Biden of things they've been unable to uh, substantiate or prove. And here is a really good example of that. She goes on CNN. First of all, she always softens her tone when she's on CNN or MSNBC, and then she'll go back on Fox and go, Biden's the most corrupt president in American history. But here, she has to admit, yeah, we don't actually have the evidence that I've been pretending exists. To support it. If, I'm just saying, if you could see what I have seen, and I believe you should, you deserve to see that. But have that. you seen direct evidence I, related I to seen, President Biden, because that's what we have not heard. Well, we have to connect the, the dots, and that has to be through the bank records. If his bank records show nothing, the American people should know that, too. And you think it's worth launching that 100%. to get to that? I do. I do. Uh, if that's what gets us the bank records, that's what we should do. Other... You don't yet have the justification for the impeachment inquiry. At least, I guess that falls in the box of my opinion on this. But it would be strange to just launch in, uh, inquiries for impeachment every single time you think that maybe the inquiry could lead to something possibly, probably not. I, it just seems bizarre. Uh, but there, I'll get to an example of the rhetoric you'll hear from Nancy Mace on Fox News. She's saying, we need to get Joe Biden's bank records to see if we can prove what would prove the things I've been saying have already been proven. So she's saying with Caitlin Collins in front of a more moderate audience, yeah, the reason we're doing the inquiry is because we need more evidence 
to justify impeaching Joe Biden. But then in other settings has been saying Joe Biden is criminal in all these different ways and that they've been able to prove that. If that was the case, then impeach him. But obviously it's not. Then another moment from this interview. The people deserve the truth and nothing but, but the isn't truth. it supposed to be the evidence that leads you to pursue impeachment and impeachment inquiry? Well, that's what the inquiry is for. It's but there's to already get more investigations. I think that's right. where people are confused because it's not like. But there's we don't no have Joe. We happening. don't have Joe Biden's bank records yet, and so one way to do that, my understanding, would be through an impeachment inquiry. So if that's what get us gets us those bank records, then I'm going to support it. If and Caitlin Collins is exactly right. Shouldn't you? have the justification in evidential form before launching the inquiry and then maybe you bolster what you're going to bring forward in your impeachment and you contemplate on it and you whatever but you should have the justification and there despite all of her claims to the contrary in the past she is admitting they don't yet have that justification in evidential form um then here, she's pretending like they need the power of an impeachment inquiry to subpoena stuff. You can subpoena stuff as a committee, and they've been investigating and subpoenaing thing, things constantly already, so why not just continue with that investigation if that's really the motivation of this inquiry? Is astounding. You would be shocked. It would You would blush, Caitlin, if you knew, if you'd so seen what I had seen. You've said this before, mm -hmm. and you, we spoke with you after you went to the Treasury Department yeah. and looked at those reports, but I mean, you, as a member of Congress, do have access to those reports. You went we and do. saw them yourself. So uh, I think a lot of people ask, you know, you've been home for six weeks. There's been mm. no new evidence that's been uncovered or brought forward. So what is the basis now for having Well, I think, court? I mean, we, there are more people to subpoena, whether that's Hunter Biden, whether that's the bookkeeper, whether that's getting Shokin in to testify. There are a lot of witnesses out there that saw things that were part of meetings that Joe Biden was a part of, that, that were part of the transactions that were potentially part of the bribery scheme. I mean, all that evidence. Notice the way that she's wording that. You don't have evidence of the bribery scheme. Oh, that is just wild. And then they say that it's the left that weaponizes their positions of power against their political enemies. We could, how did she word that? Let's see. I, there are a lot of witnesses out there that saw things that were part of meetings that Joe Biden was a part of, that, that were part of the transactions that were potentially part of the bribery scheme. I mean, a part of transactions that were potentially a part of the bribery scheme. All that evidence the American people should be able to have and see. The American so people can't. Of it has risen well, to that. Well, the American people can't see the suspicious activity reports. Those are confidential documents. So any piece of evidence, right or wrong, I want the American people to see all of it, whether it back is a. And she was going to get to saying if it backs up her narrative or not, which is of course not the case because they ignore every time their own investigation uncovers contrary information to the narrative they've been pushing, such as their interview with Devin Archer, the former business associate of Hunter Biden, that explicitly got asked and said, no knowledge in his time working with Hunter Biden when this would have been occurring of Joe Biden being involved in any way, shape or form with Burisma, the company that uh, Hunter Biden worked at. And they just ignore that and say, no, Devin Archer proved that Joe Biden was bribed. 
again, if you're curious, you hear some of these claims, you're thinking, oh, I want Luke to address that, 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 that. Every segment can't be super long, fact-checking every single claim, but I've done so much coverage in the past, you can definitely find on the Biden probe, as it's been called. And here's an example of her going on Fox Business and saying stuff like this in the past that mainstream media has just ignored this, swept this under the rug and said, all of this is normal. This is probably the most corrupt president in U.S. history. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, I come from a very purple district, but the double standard here is very obvious. There's a two, two different standards of justice in this country. And, you know, Joe Biden ought to probably have a mugshot when this thing is said and done. And I want the American people to see all the evidence that we... So on Fox Business, she's saying... Biden might be the most corrupt president in American history, and he may end with a mugshot after this whole thing. Then goes on CNN, I'm the moderate Republican. Yeah, I guess you're right, Kenton Collins. We don't have the evidence that proves Joe Biden's wrongdoing. We don't have the actual link between him and his son's business dealings that we claim that we do have. But that's what the inquiry is going to uncover. We're going to actually get the smoking gun. Then why are you pretending like you have the smoking gun? And that shows the dishonesty so clearly. And why does she do that flip on different networks? Because if she can go on CNN and I've seen her on CNBC and portray herself as the moderate Republican and be interviewed as that, and sometimes she'll say Republicans are too extreme on abortion. Then when she goes on Fox News or other right-wing networks, Steve Bannon, she's gone on, she can then have the credibility of a moderate Republican who bolsters the exact messages that the hardcore MAGA Republicans would. So then the Viewers can go, even the moderate Republican agrees that Joe Biden's a criminal. Even though on CNN, she's saying things that obviously indicate the proof is not even close to there. It's just absent um, for all those different big, bold allegations against him. Well, while all the impeachment stuff is going on that we've been covering throughout today's show, where Kevin McCarthy is launching this unjustified impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, based on allegations they've been unable to uh, substantiate, Matt Gates wants his moment in the spotlight and is saying Kevin McCarthy hasn't been right-wing enough, hasn't been to Matt Gates's liking, and so he better correct course, or Matt Gates is going to try to get Kevin McCarthy removed from his position as Speaker of the House, which would be uh, the motion to vacate the Speaker. Just a complete circus is what the current majority is in the House of Representatives. Here is Matt Gates. On this very floor in January, the whole world witnessed a historic contest for House Speaker. I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. We have had no vote on term limits or on balanced budgets as the agreement demanded and required. There's been no full release of the January 6 tapes. As you promised, there has been insufficient accountability for the Biden crime family. And instead of cutting spending to raise the debt limit, you relied on budgetary gimmicks and rescissions so that you ultimately ended up serving as the valet to underwrite Biden's debt and advance his spending agenda. Mr. Speaker. Before showing another clip, can I just once again go through this? Here is what we got when Democrats had a majority in the House of Representatives 
the Senate, and Joe Biden in the White House. The American Rescue Plan, trillions of dollars of relief in a time where it was absolutely necessary trying to recover from this unprecedented pandemic that caused an economic downturn. The first major gun safety bill in decades. Pulling out of America's longest war, President Biden did. Large investment in green energy in history that's expected to create millions of green energy jobs across uh, the next number of years. Lowering prescription drug costs for seniors, Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices, also Medicare recipients seeing their insulin costs out of pocket being capped at $35 and raising the minimum wage for federal government workers. Ketanji Brown-Jackson getting put on the Supreme Court, the PACT Act, that's healthcare to toxic uh, burn pit victims veterans, the Chips and Science Act, bringing more semiconductor manufacturing to America, and a once intergeneration infrastructure law, investing in all the things we want to be rebuilt, roads, bridges, increasing access to clean, reliable drinking water, repairing airports, expanding broadband, investing in passenger rail, and so many other things. That's what we got when Democrats were governing. Is it perfect? No. Is it everything I want? No. Lots of politicians I don't like? Yes. But that's what we got, real policies that will make a real impact in people's lives. What are we getting now? This. Impeachment over things that we've been investigating for months now and can't actually prove. Matt Gates trying to <laughs> possibly remove Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy from his position because he hasn't uncovered the crimes of the Biden crime family enough or cut spending enough to necessary programs, or got out-negotiated by President Joe Biden. Really? America, come on. We don't need that. We don't need that. We could have more solutions being put forward, more problems being solved. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because I'm pretty tired of this. And while it was sort of upsetting dealing with and covering the negotiations between the more conservative Democrats like Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, who were blocking Build Back Better, that if it was uh, implemented as it was originally proposed, would have been so good and historic. And that was brutal to see. At least there was an actual conversation about policies and solutions being had. And so come 2024, if we could put back into positions of authority more democrats and have that debate continue and have problems be solved not as much as we'd want them to be of course not and that's upsetting and yes democrats also are influenced by the money they get from special interest and all these different issues but at least it's a policy conversation and at least we get historic actions like the inflation reduction act or the infrastructure law large investment in infrastructure since the eisenhower highway program at least things are happening that are good. This is nonsense. Here's another example. And let me alert the country. A motion to vacate might not pass at first, but it might before the 15th vote. And if Democrats bail out McCarthy, as they may do, then I will lead the resistance to this uniparty and the Biden-McCarthy-Jeffries government that they are attempting to build. I know that Washington isn't a town where people are known for keeping their word. Well, Speaker McCarthy, I'm here to hold you to yours. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so we'll see how that ends up turning out. It's the 
thing that was warned of. When people show you who they are or tell you who they are, I guess the phrase goes, believe them. We were told that these types of political stunts and definitely showed time and time again, that is what so many, not all, but most of these Republican politicians, at least the ones who are wielding the power right now, are interested in. And in this era where the GOP is consumed by the MAGA hardcore part of it, it is not beneficial for the American people to have them have as much power as they currently do. And so I wish people would consider that as they, like I said, go into vote in 2024, even with all the problems with the Democratic Party. At least actual good policies can be implemented. Donald Trump, as we've been following very closely, is increasingly, you can just, you can feel it, desperate and terrified as he gets closer and closer to multiple trials starting. And we'll get to, in the second thing I have for you in this segment, an example of one of the steps he's taking that's very much in line with that. But first, he posted something on True Social that is him explaining what he thinks his legal strategy, legal defense should be in relation to the election interference cases, and also what his co-defendant strategy should be. You tell me, and I'll also tell you, if we think this is reasonable. He wrote on True Social, anybody attacked and indicted by the failed district attorney of Fulton County or deranged Jack Smith will, I assume, and as I will be doing, show how the presidential election 2020 was rigged and stolen, but he spells that incorrectly, the probable reason for your uh, protestation and or protest. The evidence in Georgia and nationally is both massive and conclusive. The January 6th unselects even illegally destroyed and deleted all filings, evidence, and proof that's not true. That fact alone should be reason to drop all charges. So he is saying, as a defense against the allegations of him violating the law in his effort, his criminal conspiracy as it's being alleged, to overthrow our democratic process and keep himself the present despite the lawful results of the election, including the fraudulent slate of electors trying to assert electors to be the lawful constitutional ones that weren't, and then using that to justify him staying president, or Mike Pence rejecting the results of the election, or local officials doing things that would be a violation of their oath of office, all these different things that were part of this alleged criminal conspiracy. And his defense, he's saying, should be, and his co-defendant should be, well, the election was stolen. And we're going to prove it like how we've been able to prove it for the last multiple years. Oh, wait, we haven't. So how he'll be able to do that now, I don't know. More accurately said, he won't be able to. And also, I have, as he freaks out about, for example, Tanya Chutkin, is overseeing the federal election interference case into him. And she's not messing around. We've seen that with the way she's handled January 6th rioters cases and also Donald Trump's thus far. And so he wants her off of the case. It's just into our law and justice lead, former President Donald Trump has asked federal judge Tanya Chutkin to recuse herself from the 2020 election subversion case. This is one of the two cases brought by special counsel Jack Smith that is playing out in Washington, D.C. CNN's Caitlin Polance joins me now. Caitlin, why is Trump asking for Judge Chutkin to recuse herself? 
Well, Donald Trump is trying to get Judge Chutkin off of overseeing this federal case against him because he says she might not be fair and it could undermine the public's confidence based on what she's done as a judge already related to January 6th cases. So this is a filing coming in today in this case that she's overseeing. And so Donald Trump is asking Judge Chutkin to remove herself, recuse herself from a case. This type of request is rarely successful. Judges often are looking at themselves regularly on whether they should recuse and making that determination before a defendant would need to ask. But Trump is going to the court of Judge Chutkin and saying, please take yourself off this case. We don't think that you're the appropriate person to see this case to trial, the January 6th federal case against Donald Trump. So not surprising that he would try to do that. Uh, funny because it's very unlikely to work. And I'm sure he does wish that every judge he would have to deal with would be Eileen Campbell, who's overseeing his classified documents case in Florida. Uh, but that's not the way the cookie crumbled. And so he will have to deal with Tanya Chutkin. And she's very unlikely to take herself off the case because why would she? She, at least based on the record I'm aware of, is perfectly able to fairly, correctly oversee this case. Now, she's not going to bend over backwards to treat Trump in a special fashion because he's Trump, which he sh which she shouldn't, but uh, she absolutely could be and will be fair, again, based on all the information I'm aware of. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene has done it again, found a way to escalate her rhetoric even further, hit a lower rock bottom and spew dangerous, dangerous rhetoric, this time saying, Maybe states should consider seceding from the union. Take a look at this from X. If the Biden administration refuses to stop the invasion, she writes, of cartel-led human and drug trafficking into our country, states should consider seceding from the union. From Texas to New York City to every town in America, we are drowning from Biden's traitorous America last border policies. Now, this isn't a border segment. We've done them in the past. We've gone through the details of what I would do when it comes to immigration policy broadly, the southern border specifically, what Biden's actually doing. It's not what Marjorie Greene and others will characterize it as. It's very similar to Trump's border policies, very similar funding and resources and border security. Some notable differences when it comes to humanitarian stuff, which is good. He hasn't opened the border. That's just not factual. They can't point to policies that would indicate that. It's just nonsense. But it actually serves to distract from real conversations about real solutions. As I've gone through there, she mentions human trafficking and drug trafficking, real problems. So stop lying about the cause of them or about the handling of them because Biden's administration has been trying to address, I'll note, not as successfully as we'd want, just like under the Trump administration and Obama administration. We want this to be further addressed and these problems can spike for all these different reasons and we want that to absolutely be focused on. But we can't do that if people are being dishonest, acting as if the Biden administration is going, yeah, come on, human trafficking, obviously not, or opening the border. It's just not accurate and thus distracting from an honest conversation and it's driving me crazy. Um, but she has been calling for it. And to go back on that for a second before proceeding, the reason she's wording it that way is it feels a little bit too far to just say, secede. And so she'll say something that she's never going to pretend Biden's doing correctly. She's never going to say he's handling the border correctly, even if border crossings dropped or whatever. Uh, 
And again, if you're curious as to Biden, border, me, policies, all that, I've done deeper dives in the past. Um, but she has to have a condition that she'll always say he's doing wrong. And then because he's doing it wrong, that's why states have to secede, which it's ridiculous for so many different reasons, as we'll continue to go through. She's been saying this for a while. This was on Twitter previously. We need a national divorce, she wrote. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throat to the Democrats' traitors, America last policies, we are done. But I will note that previously she said it's a national divorce. It's not a secession, as was articulated here. If, if that is the direction that we're going. Well, I, I've used the term national divorce and my words got twisted around. I used national divorce for a reason because that's a court process. That is a legal process of, of dividing. But I did not want it to be mixed up with civil war or, or secession. And I'll tell you why. When I and we don't need to hear why because now she's using the term secession. That's what she's saying. And again, she's going to say that the condition that she laid out there in relation to Biden and human trafficking, that he's refusing to do anything about those things, no matter what, she's going to say that. So then the only relevant part is the second half. States should consider seceding from the union. And I want to say this part really calm because I feel myself wanting to get really riled up about this, but um, I've had people and... I very much appreciate the kind words, comment a lot, and write into the show saying one of the things they like about my show and the reason they watch is because I'm calmer than a lot of what's out there and I'm not shouting all the time and I don't get super hyperbolic, even if I have fun and obviously expressing my views strongly, not making every single show feel like you're tense the entire time. So I do try to do that, I promise. <laughs> but here, not hyperbolically, only in a very just clear and obvious sense. When she calls Biden traitorous, alluding to states seceding from the union and wording it in such a way that's obviously you encouraging that idea, that is the traitorous stance. You are an elected congresswoman and choosing with all of the historical uh, precedent associated with that word, secession. You're choosing to put that out in the world and to encourage that. That is, again, not, oh, my political opponent, you're all traitors. No, no. That rhetoric is traitorous rhetoric. And it's terrifying because, again, secession, that word, absolutely violence associated. Violence. You don't have, as she will try to justify it later on, I'm sure, no, I'm talking about a peaceful secession. She's referencing the violent historical record when it comes to that word and choosing to make that uh, reference. And that's horrifying. And she has power and is even more influential than most Congress people with her association with Kevin McCarthy and her voice within the MAGA movement. And so this is real stuff. And Again, I don't actually get super, super bogged down most days talking about politics because of some defense mechanism I have to kind of approach everything in a more lighthearted manner. But here, you can't. It's sad. And I will say, 
people who are on board with traitorous rhetoric such as that choose the prioritization of America as one and trying to figure out with that as the assumption, how do we move forward as one despite all of our differences? And I talk about every single day on this show, my massive differences with especially MAGA Republicans. And I would never use that as justification to call for what she did or she's not calling for it, but alluding to it and obviously encouraging it. Never, despite the massive threat to democracy that is posed by the ideology associated with Donald Trump because of his actions that we've gone through extensively. And yet still, that would never cross my mind as the solution. Our priority should always be, first, we are one country, we're not gonna end America as we know it, and we're gonna figure out how to proceed with that assumption. And also, I might add, as I have in the past, logistically, it makes no sense geographically how you would do that, the states, but you have really blue cities in the middle of a red state or red parts of a blue state. It's not as simple as she pretends like it would be because a red state seceding would be just disastrous in so many different ways. Again, because of the current political divide as it is uh, laid out onto kind of your geographical framework. So it's also illogical, but deeply, deeply dangerous. And she is the face of the modern Republican Party. That's horrifying. Make sure you're subscribed to this YouTube channel. A quick programming note before we go today, and this will barely pretty much won't affect your viewing and listening experience, but currently how I uh, prepare the show or do the show each day is I prepare all the segments, whatever it's going to be, six, seven stories, um, less, more, get it all ready. And then I record the entire show and then I edit where necessary, put the music in there at the beginning and send out to podcast listeners in audio form, video viewers on uh, Patreon, the members. And so then the video version of the show gets broken up into individual segments. Those stories get uploaded to the YouTube channel. And that's where the bulk of the audience is. Most people are watching those individual clips. That's where the millions of views per month are happening. And the feedback I've received from those viewers is, I like your show, I like your commentary, but a lot of times on the stories that sort of all the media is going to cover and all the other channels I watch are going to cover, you're late to the punch. And so I want to see what you have to say, but I know which clips you're going to show. I've seen them before and um, it's kind of repetitive because of me being late to covering that particular story. Again, this only applies to the stories that kind of all the media is going to be talking about. And so that criticism has led me to try to figure out how to make my segments uploaded to the YouTube channel more close to when it's breaking news and make it more time sensitive. And so the way I'll do it now is kind of throughout the day as stories are breaking, get the story, prepare one at a time, do the recording, upload it, then start that process over, pick the next story. If there's something new that's breaking, prepare, record, upload to the YouTube channel throughout the day. And then the end of the day, all the segments I've done get put together, sent out in video, and audio form in a full show format. So for you, it's gonna be the same. Um, and my obligation already is kind of by the end of the day to get it sent out, so that will feel the same as well. And the only difference is video viewers um, 
I'll look a little different in between, you know, segments. I go outside or whatever. My hair gets all different, but the actual format and delivery will feel exactly the same. Podcast listeners, again, you won't even notice a difference, but I like you guys to know kind of what's going on. And members previously to tomorrow, which is when I'll start doing this, one of the perks that you got was getting the video version of the show before all the clips were able to be uploaded to the YouTube channel because of the process I just explained. Now that won't be the case. The benefit is you don't have to wait if you're dying. I don't know why you would, but if you're dying to hear what I have to say about a particular story that kind of just happened within a couple hours, if based on the other things going on that day, I'm able to sit down and record, you'll get the segment on the YouTube channel if you want to go check to see and could go watch that one clip and then wait for the full show to come out to get the rest of the coverage of that day's event. So that I guess would be a benefit, but um, other than that is just a way to maybe maximize reach when it comes to the YouTube channel, get those views even better, <laughs> engagement, all those things. Um, always trying to adjust to make that possible. Um, but with that being said, thank you all. I appreciate all of your support, your viewership, your listening. It is wonderful and I'll see you tomorrow.